When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, welcome back to Hurtel. I'm very excited about this new face on the program, but somebody I'm very excited to talk to. He is the editor-in-chief of The Voice down in Atlanta. He's going to tell you all about that in just a minute. Donnell Suggs, how are you, sir? Good morning, brother. I'm fine. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I love having you. This is one of the reasons I do social media. I get to meet new people, and now I've got an excuse to talk to them. So great to talk to you. Let's start big picture for a second, because I had something happen back when we were covering the midterms. I was talking to one of our regular election folks that does the data and stuff. I think politically, culturally, demographically, economically, any of those major narrative stories that we're covering nationally, and of course those show up at election time, I find Atlanta to just be one of the real fascinating places to watch in the country. I'm an outsider, you're an insider, you're there, you're right there. Does it feel that way to you folks that you really do have a microcosm of a lot of the wider issues going on and we got them all right there in Atlanta right now? You're you're, you're spot on. I think what's special about Atlanta is it really isn't Georgia. What Atlanta is, is the best of what America can be with, with the ethnicities and different cultures, and also sort of kind of what happens when one, a city grows so fast that it has to just kind of be in the spotlight, even if it doesn't want to be. Um, I always tell people Atlanta and Georgia are two different things. Atlanta's the capital city, but it, it's, it's like nothing else in Georgia. So politically, it's like nothing else in Georgia, and now it feels like it's like nothing else in America. And that's really special. That's really special to be a part of that right, as, at this time. Yeah, and your own story fits directly into that. You're actually a Brooklyn guy. Uh, you've sure. been there for quite a while now, so you know, no shame in saying you're an Atlanta original native, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But you're one of them. Take your own story. Walk people through that. You came to Atlanta. You're part of that story. You came into that community. You're raising your family there now. What got you there and what makes you stay there and work? 16 years in Atlanta, 17 years this June, met my wife here. My son was born here. My, my newspaper career really blossomed here. I moved here with the opportunity to work for a lot of smaller black newspapers because Atlanta still had those. Whereas in New York, there might be a few, but it, just, it was just harder to break into the industry as a young man without a ton of references outside of college newspapers. So Atlanta gave me my start. And in the meantime, in 2006, the Atlanta continues to change. So I'm kind of going along for that ride. And um, I just think that uh, Georgia as a whole, but Atlanta in particular, is that story for a lot of people. They moved here from Detroit and Chicago and Philly, et cetera, New York, of course, New Jersey. And we got to start maybe a different industry or we got a fresh start in the industry that we love in Atlanta, at least at that time, because it wasn't as crazy as it is now as far as um, 8 million people. When I got here, might have been like five. And it was still like, oh, people were saying, where are you going? Atlanta. Where? Okay, why? And now it's like, oh, where are you going? Atlanta. Oh, of course. 
and that's the change. So I think my story is very similar to a lot of people that it's just a place where you can get a fresh start or get the start you were looking for. And um, that's definitely what happened to me. Yeah, Donnell Suggs, he's the editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. You just mentioned it. You got your start in newspapers and writing. We've been talking a lot, and we covered on our show, and we have reporters on Always Talk to him. We really, it is a big thing in our country, this dynamic, the nationalization of media. Even though Atlanta's a major city, there's still local reporting that's really, really, really important. We just saw this with the Santos story in New York. Local people had it. National media ignored it. There's lots of examples of this. Even in a major metro like Atlanta, one of our fastest growing biggest metro, the diversity of it, the size of it, the way it's growing, the politics of it that we've seen in the last couple of elections, local media, even in a big city like that, really, really matters still, doesn't it? It does. It does. You're not going to get the stories about um, local politicians. You're not going to get the stories about city council. You're not going to get the stories about the school districts from a national media standpoint, unless something major happens, i.e. Herschel Walker, Senator Reverend Warnock. When they got down to the nitty gritty, then of course, by the time they debate in Savannah, I'm elbow to elbow with CBS, CNN, ABC, and Fox News. I didn't see any of those people on the campaign trail in the early going when he first announced it, which I get it. I get it. It's not a natural story yet. Then once it becomes one, now I'm like in a scrum with like Fox News. And it's and it's great. For me, it's great. I know local people don't like to have you know, the nationals kind of come in and bombard. But because we were on board from day one, I'm treated just like the New York Times and Wall Street Journal when there's a time for, as a matter of fact, maybe even better in some cases in regards to Warnock's campaign because they saw me when he was doing church parking lots on the west side of Atlanta with like 25 people outside. So when there's 2,000, when there's 25,000 people in Collins Park and President Obama's coming, they still see me. So local news is very important because we have the relationships that, that form when it isn't the coolest story in America. So when it becomes the coolest story in America, we're still there. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because this is a part, this is why the just banging on the media, and I've tried to quit saying media, I try to distinguish news media, broadcast media, those are very different things. Social you just media. These are still people and these are still relationships, even though it's a big business. So, yeah, you need to build that relationship with a CBS News, a Fox News, an MSNBC, whoever the big national carriers is. They're like, oh, well, we know we can go to this guy and get good information. We can go to this outlet or we can go to this specific reporter. People can do that with their social media, though, too, even if they're other parts of the country. Start following specific reporters, specific outlets. That's actually how you start making media better instead of just bashing the nameless, faceless, the media, right? Please. I think it's great that we separate media, which is a form of communication from journalists, which is a professional person that knows how to deliver a message. Just like I can sing, but it's not well. I don't want to call myself a singer just because I sang a song in the shower this morning. You shouldn't call yourself a journalist if you're just out there writing something down on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. So that's okay, but that's a form of media. Just like my singing is a form of noise. <laughs> that's a form of media and that's okay. So I think the locals are our jobs are so much more important now because there's so many people who can get a message out. It might not necessarily be a good one or even true. So you need to have that so that local media there, that source that you can trust and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm just going to check AtlantaVoice.com or I'm going to check Daniel's Twitter feed because he's he's usually involved in that stuff. And that's happened a bunch of times, especially during the, um, the campaign. Yeah, Donnell Suggs, he's the editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. Let's talk about the voice for a second because mm. – there's a long history of um, specific newspapers in America. And of course, newspapers are now more digital minded. So it, 
black newspapers, other ethnic groups had their own newspapers. This is a long tradition that kind of sort of dropped off in the last few years. But there's folks like you, I know in my home state, uh, even as non-racially diverse as West Virginia can be, we have Black by God, things like this. There seems to be a movement back towards this using the new technology with the old ideas. Why is it so important for these people groups, whether it's a black group or whatever, to have their own voice in their own media? Because like we talked with local media, there's some stories that you can just cover that way that nobody else can. And I think you just said it best. Not that a white reporter from the New York Times couldn't come to Atlanta and tell a story about a lady with a a flower shop in College Park, Georgia. Not saying that he or she couldn't do that, but would they do that? I think local media in West Virginia Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Tribune, for example, one of my favorite black newspapers, Amsterdam News, one of my favorite black newspapers in Atlanta, uh, in New York, Atlanta Voice, et cetera. I think we have a beat on some of that more ground level stuff that you still need. And in the case of websites like uh, Word and Black, um, there, there are websites that are saying, hey, listen, let's get these black newspapers together. Let's get online. Let's make it a, let's make a digital front and get the word out still, because I think it's still important that we tell our own stories still. We were doing that in the, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, because we couldn't get into main, mainstream media. And then once we began to do that, just like in college and sports as well, well, then maybe I don't need to write for the Atlanta Voice. I can write for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And there are some great journalists there. I don't care what color they are. But in the same token, I'm at a Clayton County school talking to someone at a warming station in Jonesboro that no one else would care about because they don't, it's not on their beat. Whereas with me, it's more local. So I better get down there and you end up getting, you end up being able to tell really good stories. So I feel like the push towards black journalism, I think it's, it's, it's a real thing. And even though we are a lot of, I just came from a major newspaper. The Atlanta business Chronicle is a major news. It's the second largest paper in the state of Georgia. And it's the, I feel my money. I feel like it's the most important because we talk about development and business. I was there. When an opportunity came to run the black newspaper in town, I jumped at it because I felt like it was important to be able to continue to tell our stories. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, Donnell Suggs, editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. Let's take an example that you already mentioned. Um, Senator Warnock, now senator. I'm an outsider. I'm a national guy. So I'm basically going off what I read and talking to people. And when I talk to people about the last runoff and it ran into this runoff of Senator Mm -hmm. Warnock, that first runoff race, there was the national narrative and then the Trump jumped in and then there was the complete disaster piece of the GOP and how they handled that and telling their own voters not to vote and all that. That was the national narrative. But when I talk to people locally and I started talking to sources like what you folks do, they're like, 
no, no, no. There's a story with the Raphael Warnock, the church stuff, some of the really ugly stuff that how personal that race got. And it carried over because it was only two years until the next one. That was the local story that the national kind of missed. And that is one of those great examples of like politically, everybody's like, well, how did how did you see this coming? Well, because if you talk to the local people, the story was completely different than the national narrative that came in later. And now you got it now on his own terms, Senator Warnock. Again, we were covering Warnock when the idea was just floated about him two years ago, potentially running for Senate. So this wasn't new stuff for us. We were covering Ebenezer Baptist Church whenever they had MLK um, different celebrations, et cetera. So again, he was familiar to us. So when we jumped into this thing, it wasn't like we were talking about someone that we had to kind of discover. We knew him already and it just read differently. It doesn't have to read better. It just read differently because I was already covering his church or I was already talking to parishioners at his church. So it wasn't, it wasn't like we parachuted in and tried to figure out this guy. We knew this guy. And I think that's the strength of being the only black newspaper, the only black print and online newspaper in Atlanta, we still have that cachet with a lot of these people, especially particularly a reverend at the most prominent church in the city. I think in the city period, let alone black church. So that comes with being local and already being on the ground. And that's a culture thing, you know, black church, man, it, even if you come from a church background, that's unique in and of itself. It really needs to explain to folks that don't understand it because it was really one of those things with, and this is the best way I can think to explain it. You can explain it better than me. It's like, look, this is one of those things that's inserted. Like we talk amongst ourselves about certain things, but you don't get a, you don't get to criticize it from the outside. It was that kind of a dynamic, but a national audience may not be familiar with, especially Southern church culture in that community. The black church was the place where we could go kind of like the kind of like how guys talk at the barbershop now. Let's take it back to when we couldn't drink out of that water fountain or sit at that uh, that uh, lunch counter. But the black church was the place where you can go, quote unquote, let your hair down and have our conversations about how things are going to go. And in some cases during the civil rights movement, have our conversations about what we're going to do. So the black church has a certain cachet and, and prominence still to this day. And that's a place where we can be ourselves. And you don't have to necessarily mix words or or keep some things under wraps you know these days now you, you get canceled for everything well i've been to i've been to uh black churches where folks is talking about how we're raising our kids why we don't have jobs how we're how you're dealing with your wife and it's like this is your father your mother in a sense your pastor telling you this is how you're supposed to do it you ain't doing it right and that's why black church is still extremely important yeah, Donnell Suggs joining us, editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. We're going to link to it, by the way, so you can find his publication and the great work. He's got some really good young reporters. I was reading through this stuff. The The key to the First Amendment, when we talk about freedom of speech, is do you tolerate somebody that's against your speech? Do you defend their right to say something you disagree with? It's kind of the same thing with the press. We need to have an adversarial press because there's a lot of accountability that needs to go away, and everybody covers things a little differently. You know, it's almost like the old Jordan thing, you know, <laughs> Republicans buy shoes, too. Right. Uh, if you're on the right, you should be pro protective of progressive press. Progressive press should be protective of conservative press. This, this thing all goes together. How do we get past that so that we're talking about journalism? Because it really does seem like it's gotten more and more partisan and there's nothing wrong with that. But overarching that is I think there's been some taking advantage of the freedom of the press under the guise of that and we're missing the bigger picture like no 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 we need all of this media working even if they're across purposes sometimes 
because when it comes to things like government or corruption or big corporations or demographic changes or whatever, the press is still supposed to be that outlet between the people and those halls of power. How do we tell that story a little bit better in a bigger picture way? So like, hey, even if I disagree with this publication, it's important that they're there. I'm going to I'm going to use this moment to, to take a shot at television and radio. I think they're more bipartisan than we are in the printed press because we can't be unless you're literally like, you know, telling you uh, advertising yourself as a right wing this or right wing that. For the most part, we're reporters and we're going to ask questions of people and we're going to report it. I think television and particularly television and then radio are like, wait a minute, we need these audiences. So we better go down this lane. Fox News has phenomenal journalists there, but they have a job and they have bosses that make them say some of the things they say. Tucker Carlson is a really good journalist. I don't think a lot of people know he was an excellent reporter, but no one cares anymore because on TV, he's saying these things that make you say, oh, either I love this guy or I hate this guy. And he's got to do what he has to do to feed his family. I get that. I wish he wouldn't and be a little more careful. With that said, I think with, as me as a newspaper reporter and someone that writes for a printed paper and online, I have to just be gray. Here's what happened. I'm at the Walker, I'm at, I was at Walker um, rallies. I was at Warnock rallies, for example. It wasn't like I was telling some more than the others. And I think that's, that's the, the difference between those two mediums, or those three mediums. And I think we should get back to having all three mediums, radio, TV, and print, just be journalists and not necessarily have any sides. When did that happen? We didn't used to have that. But, you know, this is grown folk talk that we do here. We don't yell, we talk through things. You're in a business, you run the paper, you're an editor in chief. You understand that that digital side is now the lifeblood of print media. I mean, you just gotta be or you're dead because we've seen it all across the country. Mm. How do you transfer that to the new technology without changing the principles of it? Because that's what the media, the print media, um, like, again, let's break this down. Broadcast media, that's a whole different business model than journalism, than investigative journalism, than print media. How does print media push ahead? Because you're doing it. This is your job now. You try to take print media and investigative reporting and put it in a digital context. How do you see it as somebody that's doing it and trying to evolve with it as it's changing under your feet? And being, you mentioned earlier, I have some really good young journalists. When I, you say young, they're like 24 and 21 in particular. They're kids. And their mindset is, get in front of a camera or get on social media or or try to write a hot take. And I'm training them to say, listen, you can have a hot story and have it still be journalism. Uh, let's utilize social media. Let's get on Twitter and let's utilize that to say, hey, we're here at this place. There's still a way for me to do it. The website is the lifeblood. It's just bottom line. The ads online cost, make us more money than ads in print. People still want that. But I have to be clear, all the stories have to be for online. So there's a balance. But I think there's a way for us to do that and still be on social media as well, because that's a way to get to. So I meet so many more people on Twitter than I do in real life, you know, yourself included. I have all these friends that wish me happy birthday and happy anniversary. And you're like, man, I'm never going to see this guy. I'm never going to see this girl. But we're all friends because of social media. And that's a way we can do our journalism as well. We just got to be really careful with making sure it's journalism and not just putting something online because some certain company wants to pay this much money for an ad. We get that all the time. We're the black newspaper in town. A lot of companies want to reach black audiences, or at least pretend that they are. And they'll come to us and say, hey, here's this big, I'm not going to name a company, here's this big ad or whatever. Could you put that by a story about this? And sometimes I have to push back with my publishers and say, wait, wait, wait. That's fine. Put the ad there, but we're going to write the story 
like we would have wrote the story without the ad. So there's a balance, but it's been fun because again, now I have a, ch a chance to shake the news a little bit instead of just being a reporter. So it's been a lot of fun, it's a lot of work though. Donnell Strokes, uh, editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. Let, let's throw some good news in that mix, though, because some of this has been a little heavy. One thing I find interesting with the younger journalists coming up, younger commentators that I get to work with and do some mentoring with them, one of the things I really like to do is this stuff is their natural ecosystem, though. So there's actually going, I think there's going to be some innovation in this because you don't have to train them to do TikTok. You don't have to train them to multi-platform. They just naturally do it. They already know, they brand themselves. You don't have to teach them, brand, you, know, you know, our age group, we talked about networking back in the day, right? You don't have to tell them that. They do it naturally. It's their natural language. Some of this, I think, is just going to kind of fix itself because I think this upcoming generation that's already technologically savvy, if you can do what you just said about mentoring them, they already got the rest of it. I think we're actually on the brink of seeing some real innovation in how things like media and journalism are done just because this group of people are going to do it in a way that's never been done before. The business has changed. The business has changed. Now you have publications that you don't need a print press. You don't need an office. There are some that don't even have an office. It's just like we all get on Google Meet and we'll have our staff meeting and then boom, guys or girls are out covering stories, national stories, local stories. So the business will change. And thankfully, these these young people, I call them kids sometimes. I'm 40, I'm 45. I call them a kid. If you're 21, I could be your dad. And it's like, that's amazing because I was always the kid in the newsroom. I was always, up until the, the, my last job, I was one of the youngest reporters there. And now it's like 45 is the old guy, which is great because I still have those things where I say, wait a minute, go back and ask that one more question. Or I know they're Zooming the press conference, but it's right downtown. Go ahead and go to that. You still need guys like us to say, go to the press conference. I know it's on Zoom, or I know they're going to have it on whatever, but go down there and check it out. So these kids are coming with a ton of talent and a ton of techno technological skill, but there's still room for ask another question, call them back, go visit that said business or that said politician. So it's the business is changing for sure, but some of our old tenants, they still matter. Yeah. Donnell Suggs, he's the editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice. Okay, we talked about parachuting. For folks that want to work on that, now that the elections are done, people leave Georgia alone for at least, you know, 12 months or so until we do the next batch of elections. It's going to be a very important state in 2024. Let's not kid ourselves. But locally, what's a couple of the big picture stories over the next year or two? Are you looking at Atlanta that the national audience or international audience should not, you know, they're not going to follow it all the time, but maybe just bookmark it like, I need to check on this. Is it the demographic changes? Is it the economics? Is it the Buckhead stuff? What's the stuff that you're watching and kind of keeping an eye on between now and the election? When So when folks parachute back in, you can be like, oh, we've been here. Here's your cue card on what you need to talk about. Well, everyone, don't waste your time on the Buckhead stuff. That was um, BS from the, from the, from the gate. <laughs> We're not going to annex off the most expensive properties in the, in the city because someone wants a fence around it. So that's out. Don't worry about that. Um, we still should keep an eye on Senator Warnock. As a matter of fact, he just got sworn in. What's that? Today. He just got sworn in today. And um, Senator 
Ossoff will be going up 2024. So keep an eye on that. Uh, he'll be right back to have to um, get back out on the campaign. Um, I think we should keep an eye on Georgia as a, um, a battleground state. This is going to be huge, like you said, in 2024. Georgia, Georgia might be, again, once again, be the key state for whomever is running against Joe Biden. I'm assuming Joe Biden is going to run again. Um, running against Joe Biden for the presidency. And um, if that's the case, we're right back to where we were, being you know the key battleground state and being just um, having all eyes on us. So we should just keep an eye on that. Because 2024 will be here in no time. I feel like it's right around the corner already. And we just started 2023. Yeah, it sure is. Donnell sucks. Okay, we talked a lot about accountability, the importance of journalism and accountability. However, friends have to hold friends accountable. I've got to ask you. It's right in your bio, so i got to bring it up. I'm going to quote you here. You're a devout Met fans, and you believe Fellini's Pizza on Ponce is the best pizzeria in Atlanta. Donnell sucks. Never, Defend your choices. I'm, <laughs> I'm never going to change that. Fellini's pizza tastes like New York pizza. And I can and I cannot be more complimentary than that in regards to pizza. I'm a Brooklyn native. I lived there until I went to college, obviously, in Pennsylvania, and then got back home for a couple of years and moved to Atlanta. Fellini's pizza on Ponce. There's three Fellinis, by the way. Fellini's pizza on Ponce would be exactly if you flew in today and said, let's get lunch, I would take you to Fellini's without even telling you. That's what I would do to every all my friends that come into town. I gotta get them a slice of pizza. And it's the best. So I'm not going to, that and Waffle House is the best restaurant in America. Those two things I'll never change. Yeah, I'm with you on Waffle House. I just did a trip to Chicago. So I've been getting pizza war compliments for the last couple of weeks. So that's serious about that pizza. We'll put Fellini's on the list. Uh, Donnell Suggs, let folks know where they can follow you, what you got going on. Let them know about the Atlanta Voice and where they can keep track of you until we see you and your friends again on Hertel. Please, please follow the Atlanta Voice on, at, on Twitter at the Atlanta Voice. Also on at the website, theatlantavoice.com, and me at Suggs, S-U-G-G-S, writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, on Twitter. Um, we're everywhere, man, in Atlanta. If it's local, if it's national with an Atlanta bent or a Georgia bent, we'll be there. So please follow us. Thank you. Yep, lots of good food content on his. You know how much we love our food. Sure. Because that, those of us that's got to do this culture and politics things online, that's our same place. That's why we do all that food stuff. Um, so we'll keep doing that. Sir, I greatly appreciate your time. Looking forward to having you back soon. Donnell oh, Suggs, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Folks, if you've listened to the Herd Tell program, you've heard our friend Gabriella Hoffman, but you need to make sure you're checking out her podcast, District of Conservation. It's a podcast exploring the nuances of true conservation efforts from D.C. and beyond. From topic discussions to exclusive interviews with conservation and energy newsmakers, Gabriella keeps listeners appraised of the latest news stories while elevating important voices. Listen to the District of Conservation on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are played. Religion is at the intersection of our 21st century life, even if we don't express a faith. At a time when it seems that religion isn't as prevalent as it once was, it still leaves its mark everywhere. As a pastor, I know that religion isn't something I just do on a Sunday, but it's found in every nook and cranny of my life. Sexuality, politics, social media, the economy, war, nationalism, all have some kind of religious angle to them. And as a communicator, I want to find the stories that can help people understand this part of our society that is so important to so many. 
Hi, I'm Dennis Sanders, and I am the host of Church and Maine. Church and Maine is a podcast about the journey of faith and where it intersects with modern life. I look at faith with a journalist's eye, asking the who, where, what, why, and how religion affects some of the major issues of the day. Join me as we journey together. You can listen to Church in Maine podcasts at the website churchinmaine.org or on your favorite podcast app. I look forward to seeing you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.